Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Immigration is our subject today, specifically illegal immigration. Uh, the uh, lines uh, on this uh, subject seem to have shifted a bit, at least nationally on the federal level, uh, following the election and the importance of the uh, Latino vote in several key states. You hear prominent Republicans on the national level talking about a softer stance on immigration. That's uh, somewhat different uh, here in Utah. In fact, the headline in uh, David Montero's uh, story in the Salt Lake Tribune, Utah lawmakers may gut guest worker law. This is a guest worker provision, House Bill 116, which is set to go into effect uh, July 1st of next year. But uh, some Utah lawmakers are talking about uh, delaying that implementation. What should we do about illegal immigration in Utah? Some 110,000 illegal immigrants, according to the Pew uh, Center study. And, uh, of course, more arriving, we assume. Uh, Should we uh, take a hard line, a la Arizona? Should we soften our stance? What should be done? We're going to talk with several uh, guests on the program today and open the phone lines for your comments and questions as well. We'll be talking with Utah Attorney General Mark Shirtleff with activist Arturo Morales-Yan, and with State Senator Stuart Reed, who's sponsor of House Bill 116. We begin, however, with Salt Lake Tribune reporter David Montero. Mr. Montero, welcome to the program. Hi, Tom. Uh, so ha- have I characterized that um, accurately? It seems movement on the national level, maybe not so much on the state level. Um, definitely the national level. Um, yeah, I think the Republicans got a bit of a wake-up call when they saw three-quarters of Latinos uh, voted for Barack Obama, and I think that there was a lot of soul-searching going on amongst the party in terms of how they wanted to handle the issue of immigration. Um, you know, And I don't want to characterize immigration as only a Latino issue, but when you look at some of the swing states like Nevada or Colorado, that's predominantly the population that is affected by this. Um, so, um, yeah, I think those numbers were, were startling, and I think there were a lot of pragmatists in the Republican Party saying, hey, we need to do something about that. And um, I think that's why you're hearing some of these folks like uh, Grover Norquist, who actually who's been kind of a pro-immigration guy from the beginning, but Sean Hannity comes out. And you've heard you know, Bobby Jindal, Jeb Bush, Senator Rubio, um, all touting this idea of maybe attacking us uh, comprehensively. And what are are there any outlines um, taking shape on the federal level that, that immigration reform, what it might look like? You know, I think that's obviously the big question. I don't know that anybody knows exactly what that would look like. Um, you know, the Dream Act is probably the, if you're going to do a piecemeal, it seems like the Dream Act would be the easiest point of entry for Republicans to get on board because it's overwhelmingly supported by. By, by most uh, both sides of the aisle, and it's heavily popular in Latino communities. Um, <clears throat> so if you if you can get that through, and you know it it almost did, you know um, two years ago. So um, that would be an entry point. Um, you know, raising the visa caps uh, might be a start. Uh, you know, right now the HP one visa sixty five thousand cap is just you know doesn't seem to meet the meet the requirements or needs of the nation. So, um, you know, and then getting rid of that um, that three-year, 10-year bar uh, reentry point. You know, if you are picked up and you're deported, you can't reenter the country for three, or year, three years or 10 years, depending on how long you were in the country. So, um, which is, is de-incentivizes de- 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 people from, you know, obviously uh, bring, bring themselves forward. So, I think there's a few things, but you know what it actually looks like comprehensively. I think is is uh, kind of unknown at this point. I believe you talked to uh, Senator Hatch and uh, Representative Chavitz. They've both had uh, interesting uh, positions, journeys on this issue. Senator Hatch, I believe, was a co-sponsor of the Dream Act, and then later on distanced himself from it. I believe. Yeah, he was, and um, you know, he obviously was challenged by the the Tea Party, and um, and I think there was a need for him, or he felt a need perhaps to uh, to solidify some of those conservative things that you heard also in the Republican debates early uh, with Mitt Romney and, and um, during those 20-something debates, endless debates that happened 
back at the beginning of the year. And um, there was a sense that those the immigration issue was, you know, you, you could only talk about building fences and um, deportation, and that was it. And I think that, you know, Hatch uh, felt that there was a need to um, be a little harder on the immigration issue. But you're right. I mean, he was a co-sponsor with uh, Senator Durbin on the DREAM Act. Um, he he began to recently hatch uh began to see the issue more as a political football um so but it's unclear as to where he's at right now i spoke with his office last week i believe or maybe it was a week before and uh his office said that the issue of immigration was an important issue to him but he was primarily focused on the um fiscal cliff item at this point hmm. So it sounds like he might be open to it if it if it comes up, but he's that's not his priority. I I think that I think so, but I I think that Republicans are going to have to deal with it whether they probably want to or not. Because President Obama, you know, there was a lot of angst in the Latino community um, in Obama's first term because they felt like he hadn't done enough. Um, you know, he they they felt that Obama had sort of. Not, not 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 followed through on it, but hadn't done enough on the issue. And I think there's real indicators that President Obama and the Democrats want to tackle this issue. And Republicans look at the election math and they see three quarters of Latinos voting for, you know, Democrats. Um, they need to shore that up somehow. And they may not have a choice. They may have to address this issue. And I think the Democrats and President Obama may be able to drive the bus on it. If you just joined us, we're talking about immigration on the program today. Uh, we're talking right now with uh, Salt Lake Tribune reporter David Montero. He's written a couple of uh, interesting uh, recent articles in the Tribune, talking about the scene nationally and in Utah, on what our response to illegal immigration should be. And uh, we're opening the phone lines to you with your comments, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at uh, gmail.com. Uh, Mr. Matero, I, I don't know if that uh, figure that I quoted earlier is, is current up to date. This is from the Pew Center. Some, they're estimating some 110,000 illegal immigrants in Utah. It's a very squishy number, and I don't know that anybody actually has what the real number is. But the range is can be it could be as low as fifty five thousand, um, could be as high as one hundred and thirty thousand. Um, I don't think I think the Pew number one hundred and ten, a hundred hundred and ten is probably you know as good as any. But uh, I don't know that anybody has a real good handle on what the actual number is. I want to move to Utah, but first uh, another. Um Utah politician Jason Chaffetz, uh, representative from the third district. Uh, early on, he he sort of cut his teeth by being hard, you know, hard line on immigration. Is there any movement from from him? Um, you know, he's he he is touting um, that he's the only representative to get immigration bill pushed through in his last term, and uh, it's a it was a bill to adjust the caps on visas because uh, visas are, are distributed out um, based on country, and so you have a high volume of people trying to get in from you know India or Mexico or whatever, but they're stuck at the same seven percent cap that everybody else is, and um, and so there's a he wanted to adjust the quotas to like reflect more. Um, equitable um, entry points for for visas. So he got that through the House, and it's currently sitting in the Senate, which he complains bitterly about, um, believes that they're holding it hostage. Um, And 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 he would argue that that shows that the Democrats aren't very serious about addressing the issue either. Um, And it's an interesting point. I wonder, you know, we'll wonder where it will go and where it would fit within the terms of a comprehensive approach. Um, but yeah, he's he is one of the guys that actually got something through the House and, um, and moved it forward. So he's the Republicans, however, you know, they, they need to figure out what their line is going to be on this because they have people within their party though that are still touting the hardline stance. Uh, you got Representative Steve King in Iowa, who is you know a hardliner, and then of course you got Sheriff Joe Arpaio down in Arizona, who won again. And uh, you know, continues to has a huge national following, and, uh, and and tends to you know push that issue as well for the hardline stance. So I think they got to figure out what their platform and what their take and view is going to be on this issue as they go forward. 
Interesting developments recently, and you've written about this in Utah. Um, some legislators are saying they want to push back implementation of Utah's guest worker uh, law, House Bill uh, 116. I wonder, if, first of all, you could remind us what what that law would do if it's implemented. Essentially, it allows Utah to be a um, uh, develop a visa work system um, work program, guest worker program, and. You know, of course, the state can't really do that because federal domain is, is um, absolute on this. So the state was hoping that they could get what they called a waiver to operate this program and allow those that are here to apply for a guest worker pro- a guest worker permit through the state, and then they would be legalized, pay taxes, and uh, you know, be uh, come out from the shadows. And they'd pay a fine, uh, be either a thousand dollars or twenty-five hundred dollars, depending if it was an overstayed visa or um, they entered enter the country illegally. And then they would work, and it was a way to again bring them out of the shadows and sort of a the second approach, uh, coupled with the enforcement-only approach that the state had passed as well. So Utah attempting to do a comprehensive approach at the state level. And uh, so why are some legislators wanting to push this back? Well, I think that there's a a pragmatic reason, and that is that if it goes into effect July 1st, um, there's a very good chance it will be declared unconstitutional immediately upon being enacted, and they could be sued by the federal government for um, the same reason the federal government sued um, the states on anything that you know, deemed uh, a federal authority. So, um, so that's one aspect. There's a cost, of course, that comes with starting it up. Um, I think it's a $6.1 million startup cost to implement it. Um, and I think they also don't know where comprehensive immigration reform is going either, and it could render a lot of this moot if they end up doing something at the national level. So I think there's a sense that they want to maybe push it back, whether they push it back, push the date back to 2014, 2015, 2016, I mean, who, who knows, or they pull the date out entirely, it never goes into effect. I, I don't know what their plan is in that regard. Um, it's, it's That's tough to say. So I think right now they're just going to kind of wait and and, um, and maybe maybe stop it from going into effect right now and see where where things go. By the way, later in the program, we're talking with State Senator Stuart Reed, a, a co-sponsor of that legislation, I believe. Uh, finally, with the, David Montero, uh, you, you talked to at least one illegal immigrant, uh, probably others, and others in the the Latino community. I wonder if you'd tell us, first of all, about, I believe his name is Leo. He was he was watching the election, and he, he was talking to you about his feelings. Yes. Um, you know, this is this issue is, when you, when, when, when people, and, and again, Latinos, and again, I want to be clear that, you know, it's not all Latinos, but if we're speaking about the West, it's primarily a Latino issue. But um, when they're polled, Latinos don't, immigration isn't usually the top issue for Latinos. However, when you go into the communities and you talk to people, everybody tends to know somebody who is either here without documents or came here on a, on a, on a, on an expired visa. So it's a very personal issue that touches everything. So even though it may not rank as the top issue, it matters to almost everyone because they know somebody. So that, this issue resonates deeply. So it's misleading when you see it rank fourth or fifth in terms of importance. And so when you talk to folks like Leo or, you know, many others I've spoken with, um, you know, it's a huge issue. And there's a tone and a rhetoric that comes with the issue that they find hard to swallow sometimes. And I think that that's an issue that the Republican Party needs to address when it's messaging the way it tackles this issue. Mm. David Montero, a reporter with the Salt Lake Tribune, has written, uh, of course, uh, uh, over uh, several years on this issue, some uh, interesting recent articles. Uh, specifically here in Utah, some legislators are seeking to delay implementation of uh, House Bill 116, the guest worker provision. Uh, the uh, Speaker of the House, I believe, says that they'll, they'll meet on uh, December 18th and uh, perhaps bring this issue up. David Montero, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. 
We're talking about illegal immigration on the program today. We're opening the phone lines to you. What do you think should be done? What should Utah do? Uh, should uh, the uh, should we say, well, the voters have spoken. Uh, there's a demographic inevitability to changes on immigration policy. Utah should follow suit, soften our stance, or should we go the other way? Uh, an Arizona-like uh, provision. Uh, the uh, proponents of a, a stricter stance on immigration talk about the rule of law, the fairness in the system, that those who uh, get in line fairly should not be penalized by uh, those uh, skirting the line. That, and after all, these uh, are good people, but they're breaking the law and weakening the rule of law. On the other hand, uh, uh, should we penalize the children uh, who were brought here at a young age? Should we implement the DREAM Act? Should we uh, institute amnesty? We've done that before, and uh, immigrants uh, just keep coming. Are there, is this an overall positive or a negative to the economy? Many questions to be asked and answered. We're going to be talking with Utah Attorney General Mark Shirtleff the program, Arturo Morales-Yan, who wants uh, strict immigration policy, and uh, State Senator Stuart Reed among our guests uh, coming up. And the phone lines are open to you at 1-800-826-1495, or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we will uh, be speaking with Utah Attorney General Mark Shirtleff. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, a Thanksgiving feast of songs about food and drink. Please, mister, don't touch me, tomato. Please, don't you touch me, tomato. Touch me, yummy pumpkin potato. For goodness sake, don't touch me, tomato. I'm Dan Storper. And I'm Rosalie Howard. Pack your bags and join us for the next Putumayo World Music Hour. 10 o'clock Friday night here on Utah Public Radio. Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Now open Monday through Saturday until 2, offering a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. On this part of the program, we turn to Utah Attorney General Mark Shirtleff. And our subject, of course, is immigration post-election. And uh, Mr. Attorney General, thank you so much. My pleasure, Tom. So um, I'm guessing that uh, in sort of the hand-wringing and the uh, soul-searching among the Republican Party anyway, following the election nationally anyway, there does seem to be some movement on immigration. I wonder if you're seeing that as well. Oh, absolutely. We're seeing it uh, among certain people that we never thought we'd hear it from. So it's kind of interesting. I was talking to Senator Kurt Bramble, uh, who uh, with me and others uh, have been kind of in the progressive uh, area when it comes to comprehensive immigration reform. And he just said, Senator Bramble just said, isn't it nice that we're kind of out front on this and the right thing, doing the right thing with the Republican Party, and now others are coming along, and, that, and we're very excited about that. Uh, on the other hand, it looks like what's being talked about, at least in the press, ahead of the uh, legislative session coming in January, uh, I'm guessing, from your point of view, would be a step backward, and that is uh, tinkering with the, um, the the guest worker provision. Yes, I do believe that would be a step back backward. I uh, uh, would very much think that that's not a good thing to do. Now, I know that understand that there's some concern that the uh, implementation date for House Bill 116, the guest worker program, is July of 2013. Uh, and to this point, we don't have some kind of official uh, authorization from the federal government. However, we've made huge progress in that area. Uh, and, in fact, uh, I've been talking to them at length for the last two years about using their prosecutorial discretion and deferred action uh, with regard to those who will be issued a guest worker permit in the state of Utah. And while they haven't specifically granted that yet, they have done a couple of things uh, using that same reasoning. That is a deferred action on uh, deportations and focusing only on the on the, the criminal offenders most seriously. And, and again, then again, most recently on deferred action for childhood arrivals, uh, the, the so-called DREAM Act kids. So they understand the concept. They've made progress in that direction. I think we need to continue to work towards that area and not take a step backward. And it looks like what's being talked about is uh, repealing the trigger, in other words, delaying the implementation of House Bill 116. And the reasoning there, as I understand it, is uh, if you don't repeal it, well, quoting directly from Senator Bramble in the Salt Lake Tribune, if we don't repeal the trigger, we must establish the whole program. We should establish the whole program. We It was a... this. This action, based on the Utah Compact and comprehensive reform, including guest worker provisions, was an example for the rest of the nation. 
you know, ultimately we want the federal government to act uh, and, and create guest worker programs and deal with those who are here currently working. Uh, we, I think that if we if we remove that trigger, if it doesn't go into effect, and there's less impetus for the federal government to act. They need to act because states are acting in their absence. And there's the clock now from uh, you know Speaker Boehner on down uh, about Republicans participating with Democrats and, and the President of the United States saying we're going to we're going to approach comprehensive immigration reform early on this next year. I think we need to continue that state emphasis on that as an example as to what can be done. So do you you remain, um, I guess, satisfied with what happened? I think it was a couple of years ago with um, with the addition of House Bill one sixteen on on top of uh, um, the enforcement provisions. Oh, absolutely! You know, it, it, it clearly, I've been speaking all over the country on these immigration issues. The progress is being made, and the fact now that the federal government finally, both parties are talking about comprehensive immigration reform early this this coming session is very, very good, and to the to a huge extent, it's been Utah's example. We started out with a compact two years ago. Uh, based on that compact, Republican legislators, uh, and particularly in the Senate, you know, stuck, stuck their necks out, frankly, and, and passed comprehensive reform and rejected just solely really aggressive, uh, punitive, Arizona-style reform, uh, and that is an example we've shared across this country, so that now it's the 10 other states and cities have, are considering or have passed their own uh, compacts and are, are looking at better legislation, and now we're all pushing, you know, toward a you know what it, where it really should be, and that's federal con- congressional uh, reform. And the, and the voice and example to Congress, Republicans in particular in Congress, is that they they have and they're recognizing this now. They've been pattering to the wrong crowd, the right wing, loud anti-immigration, Tea Party type voices. And uh, for you to take a step backward, where we've been the example, really, and a, a driving force for the nation, I think would be harmful to our efforts nationally. What I'm hearing, though, from uh, some of, of those voices is we don't need to change on substance. We need to change our tone. Well, you know what? I, I don't like the, this kind of what we just we talk nicer about it. I mean, substantively, we, you know, our words need to match our actions. Otherwise, there's no integrity there. And, and the fact is that people, I think people will recognize that. The, uh, the Republican Party clearly has, has been listening to the wrong crowd, particularly when it comes to immigration reform and some of the other uh, kind of exclusive uh, right-wing uh, actions and, and thoughts. Uh, the, the immig- just immigration is one area where, where it became very clear based on demographics and based on voting patterns in this election is that they, they, there needs, does need to be a change. We do need not just to talk more inclusive, we need to be more inclusive. We understand and recognize that you, know, you can resolve issues uh, particularly with regard to immigration reform that, that benefits others, uh, that resolves a problem in a pragmatic, you know, really it's pragmatism. It's a pragmatic, rational approach to, this, to the problem and not this harmful drive them out at all costs that hurts the economy, that hurts families, that's harmful to public safety. That, those are the natural, those are the consequences of this uh, right-wing fervor we've seen in the, in the Republican Party statewide and even federally and, in, and even in presidential uh, primary debates. That needs to change. I wonder if I could get you to respond to some of the arguments on the other side, and we'll hear those uh, stated directly elsewhere in this program. But uh, one that's uh, stated a lot is, and this seems to be a central tenet of, of, of that side, the rule of law. If we um, you know, recognize that people are coming for economic reasons, most immigrants, be they legal or illegal, are you know, law-abiding, just want to help their families. But the uh, bottom line is they're, they're breaking the law to get here. Well, uh, look, I don't support illegal immigration. Nobody does. The rule of law is absolutely critical. And, in fact, we need to fix legal immigration. That's, the, that's one of the first things, first parts of this comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, you need to take away the, the punitive measures, make it easier for people who want to come here to work and then go home. For those who want to become citizens, there, there clearly needs to be changes to make that uh, you know, less of a, a difficult process. Uh, but dealing with those who are here, and even you know, even Hannity, who who was you know largely responsible, among others, for killing comprehensive immigration reform last time, because any effort at fair, pragmatic uh, resolution was labeled as amnesty by him, and now yet he's saying he himself has evolved, and that there, clearly there has to be a pathway to citizenship, or at least you know, at least some kind of legality, legal status of those who have been here, living and working and raising their kids. Uh, that's the pragmatic resolution. This other talk is simply undoable. It's not pragmatic. It's, it's not only that, but it's still 
harsh and, and hurtful, again, to the economy, to families, and to, frankly, public safety. And so the, the, the response is we have to deal with it now. We have to do it in a pragmatic fashion and, and in a uniquely American way, and that is in recognizing the value of individuals, the importance of keeping families together. If there uh, is movement at the federal level, it looks like there's more likelihood of that now, lately. What should that look like, from your point of view? Well, it's, as I say, number one, there, there need to be a number of fixes with regard to legal immigration, meaning uh, the, the, some of these penalties and time restrictions that, that apply. For example, if somebody has been here for more than uh, a year, then they have to wait 10 years in order to come back and try and get in line for, uh, in, in order to become citizens. That, those those limits are ridiculous. Um, for for those who, you know, want want to come to this country, yeah, they should follow the rule. They, they, but those who are here, we need to give them a chance to fix things, pay a penalty, absolutely, get back in line behind those who are who are illegal. Yes, we have to do that too. So that's a big part of it. But we do have to deal with those who are here. I think Utah's example of a guest worker permit program is absolutely essential, and that is you don't necessarily have to give a pathway to citizenship to those uh, twelve. 15, 20 million, whatever the number who are here living, working now. You simply need to, to make it possible for them to work, make it possible for them to go home and then come back again and do these jobs that Americans aren't doing, that, that are absolutely essential to our economy. Uh, we need to um, it, it, take the caps off some of these quotas when it comes to people who want to come here, migrate here to work. And, uh, and, and, and again, we need to, in particular, need to resolve the issue with regard to DREAM Act. That needs to be passed immediately. These kids are Americans. They've grown up here. They love this country. They want to get back. They want to be able to study and then graduate. We need to keep those educated jobs here producing in our country. So those are some of the things that need to be done, I believe. And finally, what about in the next session of the legislature? Do you do you have things that you would like to see done on immigration? Uh, no, I think that they, they need to stay wait a little bit longer. The, uh, the bill I wrote a couple of years ago that created the uh, Utah Commission on Immigration and Migration uh, its responsibility is to, is to study all, all the facts and then make recommendations for the legislature. And currently, our commission is, is uh, compiling information. We are going to an RFP process in order to have some, you know, an outside organization do some really detailed, truthful analysis, study the facts, and then we'll make recommendations. Until that can be done, and won't be done before this upcoming session, the legislature ought not to act on this. And I really don't think they need, they should repeal. 116. Let's let that go forward because it's been an, it's, it's had an impact already on on national uh, decisions with regard to immigration. Will continue to be an example until we get comprehensive national immigration reform. At that point, we won't need to have the Utah thing go in place, but we need, do need it to go in place now. And uh, I apologize. Post finally, there's one more question. Um, yeah, no problem. The, <laughs> um, the, um, the enforcement community. I wonder mm-hmm. if uh, effects of all of this uncertainty, there's federal laws, there's Utah law, there's changes, and in the middle of that, the, the law enforcement community is trying to work with immigrant community. They, you know, police chiefs will tell you we need to work with uh, with those uh, communities to, uh, to have be effective law enforcement uh, officers. I wonder what the latest is, what you're hearing from the law enforcement community. Well, again, the vast majority of law enforcement community don't want to do what Arizona did. They're not, they're not Sheriff Arpaio's out there. The vast majority recognize the importance and responsibility and actually the constitutional duty, the sworn duty to protect all people. And in particular, where we do have criminal aliens uh, who do come here to break our laws, to deal drugs, and you know, involved in human trafficking and guns and drugs, we need to cooperate with the entire migrant community, including other unauthorized uh, residents in our communities. They're our best witnesses. They're confidential informants. It's important that, that they trust law enforcement, that they work with us in law enforcement. And so any effort to, to make uh, local cops into ICE agents uh, is, is harmful, and uh, we're still awaiting uh, a decision on our own bill, our own so-called uh, Arizona White Bill, uh, as to whether we can go forward with any of that. But in the meantime, we, we need to continue to protect the public, everybody out there who lives in the state, and work closely with them. Utah Attorney General Mark Shirtleft, thank you so much. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you. You're listening to Access U-Time. Tom Williams, we're talking about illegal immigration on the program today. Pew Center estimates some 110 illegal immigrants in Utah. What should we do? Uh, And we're talking about this in the climate post-election, where many commentators are saying, at least on the national level, the Republican Party is rethinking this issue. In Utah, several legislators are uh, talking about uh, pushing back implementation of uh, House Bill 116, the guest worker provision, 
And we're throwing out the question to you, what should be done in Utah and nationally uh, in response to illegal immigration? What about the rule of law? Or should we all get behind the Utah Compact? Can those two be reconciled? Do you have a personal experience with uh, these issues? Is your job or business impacted by illegal immigration? We've uh, talked with uh, Salt Lake Tribune reporter David Montero. Just a conversation there with Utah Attorney General Mark Shurtleff. Coming up uh, at the end of the program, State Senator Stuart Reed. And uh, next up, following a break, Arturo Morales-Yan, who is a proud legal immigrant. He believes we should uh, hold a firm line on illegal immigration. Following the break. I'm Victor Hawkstrom, General Manager of Utah Public Radio. Thank you for the progress you've allowed us to make over the last fiscal year. Because of your commitment and feedback, we've improved our national and statewide programming and have promptly responded to technical problems. We've enhanced our Utah news coverage with correspondents throughout the state and now directly serve your community with specific programs, news, and specials. We will continue to work to remain your favorite public radio station for all the programs you enjoy as we look forward to a long-lasting friendship. Thanks for your support. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Illegal immigration is our topic. You're welcome to uh, join the program with your question or comment. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you have a personal experience with this. Is your job or business impacted? What do you think we should do about illegal immigration in Utah? The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Or you can email us at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Now we're pleased to talk with Arturo Morales-Yan, who is a, a proud legal immigrant, uh, believes very much in the American dream, and, and I believe I uh, characterized your position, Mr. Morales-Yan, as uh, you want to hold the line on illegal immigration. Uh, why is that? Well, we, we need to um, understand that, uh, and, you know, I, I was born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, I was, uh, most of my education, uh, you know, I obtained it in, in that city. And uh, I have seen, uh, I lived under a system where the rule of law is pretty much just a dream, really, is non-existent. And, uh, and what is the result of uh, ignoring the rule of law? Well, today you know what, the, what problems Mexico is facing. Uh, there is no law over there. There is no authority, and, and you know what happens to those who want to uh, uphold the rule of law in, in that nation uh, is completely out of control. It is anarchy. It is chaos. Uh, so I, I see the problems that, that, that are coming to this nation, and, and they are coming quite rapidly, to be honest. Um, most people that come here illegally, they come here because uh, we offer them Free stuff, free freebies, free education, free healthcare, free transportation. Heck, there is even one website that is sponsored by the Department of Homeland Security that teaches illegal immigrants how to apply for free federal programs, and uh, and these so-called free federal programs are not free. We know where we are heading as a nation. We are over $16 trillion in debt. Mm. And, uh, and these numbers just continue to grow day by day. Mm. Uh, so it is a burden to our nation. So it's not that we don't want immigrants. Uh, for heaven's sakes, I was the recipient of a uh, great blessing to be able to be granted uh, U.S. citizenship. But... Uh, where some, what much is given, much is required, and the responsibility is to all of us. What are we doing with this nation? What are we doing to, to protect not only what we were given, but to preserve it? Mm-hmm. And at the pace that we are going, it's not going to happen. There's not going to be a dream for future, for future generations. We are going to hand them a worse future that, uh, that, that we receive. And, uh, so we, we have to be responsible. We have to be uh, stewards of, of what's been given to us. And uh, that's why I, I believe so strongly that, that we need to uphold the rule of law. Hmm. I want to follow up with that. Um, so, so you're obviously saying that this is very serious. Eventually, this could corrupt our, our whole uh, 
our whole legal system, our role of law, the, the attitudes that we have toward law, and, and we could become a, a corrupt nation. We are already becoming a, a, a corrupt nation. You know, I find it very ironic that uh, uh, Attorney General Marshall talks about, you know, integrity, you know, that we need to, as Republicans, we need to have integrity. And, 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 I, and I don't know where, where that integrity is when upholding the rule of law. We know right now that it's illegally, it, it's a federal law to hire, knowingly hire, illegal immigrants. And here we are. We have the Attorney General of, of, of this state saying, hey, you know, it's okay. We need to give him a free pass. Well, well, it's not free. You know, we need to have him pay a fine. Like if that will make it right, like if, if breaking a law, you know, a federal law, uh, will be just okay, just pay a fine and, and then you can get to work. That, that is so wrong. And, and it is an, a, unfair to those who who can get jobs, and, and, you know, there's another bigger problem, and and, and uh, we get so caught up into the immigration debate that we forgot about we forget about all of uh, the people that are looking for jobs right now. We have a, uh, about a hundred thousand people without jobs in the state of Utah. What is still in the top ten in foreclosures in the nation? What in top 10 in bankruptcies in the nation? What in the top 10, the Salt Lake City area, is in the top 10 in the nation in identity theft? So you wonder why all of this is happening. Well, you know, we have, we have a bad economy. And sure, Utah is doing better than most states. Yeah, that, that's okay. But we still have a lot of people unemployed. And to give preference to illegal, to, to say that the they are doing jobs that most Americans don't want to do. I reject that notion. Do we have a need in, in agricultural? Probably. Uh, but do we have a need when you go to the dry cleaners and you see, uh, you know, we know there's people over that are illegally working in dry cleaning companies and McDonald's and, uh, you know, and some other companies out there, restaurants and mechanic shops and uh, everywhere, hotels. Well, yes, there, there are many illegal immigrants everywhere. Uh, and uh, are they doing jobs that Americans don't want to do? No, I reject that notion. What's happening is that these illegal immigrants, and that is the sad thing in all of this, in all the debate of immigration, the compassion and all of that, the fact of the matter is that these people are being exploited. They are made work 10, 12 hour shifts, and they pay, they are paid a, lower rates than that most Americans will get paid. And uh, uh, most of them work uh, f uh, 50, 60 hours uh, uh, per week. They don't get paid uh, overtime. And yet they can't complain because that's the only thing they have. And if they complain, they, they get fired because there's more illegals wanting to take those jobs. Mm. But, but the truth is that we, we, they, we can't, those employers that abuse these, these immigrants couldn't do that to uh, U.S. citizens. Uh, and uh, so, so that is the problem. It's not that the U.S. citizens don't want to work. It's the U.S. citizens know their, their, their rights. And, uh, and if these immigrants that come and that, you know, if they were to come through the normal channels, this will, be, will not be cost effective to their employers. Mm -hmm. So the, the Chamber of Commerce has done an excellent job over here trying to to argue, you know, the compassion at cyber, when in reality what they are looking for is just to increase the bottom line of their, uh, their members. Right. And, and that is a fact. It is expensive for them, to, for employers, to bring legal immigrants and work in their factories or shops or whatever. So what do they do? Well, they defer this cost of bringing immigrants to Utah taxpayers. So you know what? I don't want to have, I don't want to bear that cost, but, but hey, you know what, I'm going to use a different argument. Mm. I'm going to use the compassionate, I'm going to use the American way argument, the, the, the American dream argument, and I can sell it to you, and yes, I'm going to sell you, uh, you know, your tomatoes or your lemons or your hotel rooms or your french fries cheaper, 
but you are going to pay the cost either way. There, there is no such a thing as free lunch. Mm-hmm. You are going to pay it either way. But you're going to pay it in higher taxes because somebody has to pay for all, all that education. Somebody has to pay for all the benefits that they are getting. So there is no free lunch. It is costing us. It is costing Utah taxpayers. In fact, there was a study done by the by the fair um, organization that estimates that the, this was these were 2010 numbers. They estimated that it's costing the state of Utah over 450 million dollars mm-hmm. illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a net, by the way. I know that uh, sometimes we hear the, well, but they pay taxes, they contribute to society, you know, they, nobody takes that into consideration. No, 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 no. This is the net net. Mm-hmm. Of course, oh, I've, I've seen million dollars. Uh, I've seen other studies which, uh, which uh, put a lower figure or even a net positive. So you know, so I guess you could you could argue studies, but but I want to go on to um, uh, another issue. You you talked about the compassion argument. Both sides are are using uh, this, and I take your point. Uh, you know your argument that uh, you know illegal immigrants can be exploited, probably are being exploited at a higher rate than uh, the legal immigrants. I want to ask you about the Utah Compact. This is uh, uh, principles that have been put forward by some religious organizations, the leaders in Utah, which a lot of people support, as I think you can understand. And, and one um, principle here is the uh, separation of families. There, is, there are some thorny issues here which do tear at your heartstrings, don't they? You know, uh, principles of the compact in general are, uh, you know, uh, I, I could agree in principle. But uh, here we go again. Uh, we have a, a, a Utah Compact, which uh, was uh, on an interview um, uh, by Don Baltus, I believe is his name. He was talking to Robin Rigg, who is the uh, vice president of the uh, Chamber of Commerce. And uh, Robin Rigg went on that interview bragging and saying how the Chamber of Commerce was really behind uh, uh, putting together this this compact. So again, le- let's forget about the compact for a second, and let's think about who put that together and what what the agenda was. So uh, again, was strategically crafted to take the word legal from immigration to separate those two words, legal and immigration, or illegal immigration. So if we talk a principle of, of immigration, yeah, sure, I, I can support that. But, uh, but it's strategically designed. And then we're taking, getting the attention completely away from upholding the rule of law. So it's all of a sudden like, like if the Utah Compact was more important than upholding the rule of law, than upholding federal law, and then protecting our Utah citizens. So how does that happen? How do they go into shifting the debate Mm. Uh, from protecting our nation and protecting mm -hmm. our state to now something that is completely uh, outrageous, and that is like, how do we help illegal immigrants? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Is there, uh, I want to follow up with that, do you see any area of agreement, any area for reconciliation between the Utah Compact and illegal immigration? Well, I, I sure hope so. I mean, and this is the one thing that I, that, uh, as an uh, uh, American, I, I, I think that, the, 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 that we are good um, people. Uh, this nation, we, we, we are better than, than most nations, and, 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 and that is a fact. But... Um, uh, so if the question is, uh, can, can something be done on immigration to maybe, uh, yes, increase the number of visas, uh, that, that maybe uh, those, um, some of these visas can uh, be, um, uh, can have a, a, a longer term rather than a, a year or two years, maybe can be a three years. Sure, we can work on that. Um, uh, is there a possibility um to help the, uh, some uh, children that were born here, well, absolutely, they are already U- U.S. citizens on their uh, interpretation of the Constitution. And, and that can be argued, too. But, uh, but, but what, what are we talking is that uh, 
are we giving are we willing to give a free pass to those who have stolen IDs from innocent victims whose lives have completely been ruined who cannot buy a house that cannot buy a car cannot get a student loan because somebody already used their their social security well that that is what i think will be completely unfair we talk about uh, a compassion for for illegal immigrants but what about compassion of the for the victims of illegal immigration how about compassion for the victims of identity theft you know i have many people that i know that i have come to my office i sell real estate i have come to my office and once they see their credit report that somebody has stolen their social security it destroys their lives. Mm. Most of them will go for years trying to clean up that mess. And if you have ever been, if you have ever received a letter from the IRS saying that you owe more taxes than you claim, you know that this is an, an, a nightmare. Because try to argue with the IRS. And what the problem is that somebody used your social security number. So somebody claimed income under your number. And the Social Security Administration has that information. And the IRS have that information. So they say, hey, you didn't really make $50,000 a year. You made 85000 He says, no, I didn't. And what happened is somebody was using your number. And how do you go about cleaning that up? Good luck. Mm. Well, we'll, it uh, is a real mess. Yeah. We'll have to leave it there. Right? Out of time for this segment. Uh, but uh, we've been talking with Arturo Morales, Jan. Uh, he's arguing for uh, holding the line on, uh, on the stricter... Uh, measures uh, to combat illegal immigration. The big concern is uh, corrupting the rule of law in the United States. Uh, Arturo Morales-Jan, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. And we continue this discussion now, conclude the discussion, with uh, State Senator Stuart Reed, um, who I believe uh, was a co-sponsor of uh, House Bill uh, 116, uh, the guest worker provision. Uh, Senator Reed, uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. First of all, before we get into discussion of what the legislature may or may not do with respect to uh, 116, uh, anything you'd like to say in response to Mr. Morales-Jan? I know you've been listening in. Well, one of the big problems that we face in this discussion is uh, both the argument about rule of law and then the argument about all the horribles that are happening. At the same time, uh, those folks we're opposing 116, uh, House Bill 116, that that dealt with the fact that uh, the federal government was not enforcing the rule of law, is not enforcing the rule of law, at least the 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 law that's on the books today. And so our effort as a legislature was to address how do we manage that? How do we manage the fact that uh, we have illegal immigrants, large numbers of illegal immigrants, uh, and all of the things that he just described as horrible circumstances uh, because uh, they're here illegally and unaccounted for. So 116 was an effort to manage that situation within the state that the state finds itself in uh, and to address it. So you don't have uh, employers taking advantage of them. You don't have uh, people stealing their ID because now they have a way to get their own ID. Uh, And... uh, and all the other issues involved here. And, of course, the rule of law is what lawmakers say it is, representing the people. So when they pass a law, uh, it is what they they say it is, what they vote on. Uh, And 116 is the rule of law. Now, the question remains, is all of 116 uh, uh, legal in terms of the relationship with the federal federal law? And when we wrote that... uh, that law, uh, that statute for the state of Utah, we recognize there may be a question about that. Therefore, we gave that uh, time frame till July uh, 2013 for the governor and the attorney general to address that with the federal government. Um, uh, we'll take a look at that again at this, this session to see if we need to push that date back or take a different approach altogether uh, uh, to give more time or even to wait to see what the federal government's going to do here. Obviously, there's going to be a shift uh, in the law, the rule of law, in this station vis-a-vis uh, uh, immigrants generally and illegal immigrants uh, specifically. So I, I don't want it to get lost on your on your audience, a listening audience, that uh, the very people who are complaining 
about these horrible events that take place as a result of illegal immigrants also were vehemently opposed of our effort trying to manage those problems within the state uh, uh, that, that we find ourselves in uh, because the federal government hasn't enforced these laws. Mm. Do, so do you have a position at this point on whether uh, 116 should be delayed? Um, I think that we probably should move the date back at, at a minimum. There may be some other things we'll look at, but those discussions are going on, uh, going on right now, and uh, and we'll we'll just see. It, it's I'm pretty confident that if we don't push it back, that we will be sued. Um, I've had discussions with the civil, uh, the assistant attorney general uh, for the federal government and the civil litigator. Uh, and uh, they've made it pretty clear to me and others that that they'll challenge us in the courts because they mm. they view part of 116 as uh, their area of responsibility. Mm. Over overall, I wonder where you think Utah should be with regard to uh, to immigration. Do you, do, you, do you feel like that's a it's comfortable balance? The enforcement provision that was passed along with 116. Yeah, I think uh, what we tried to do is take a, a balanced approach uh, uh, in, in trying to uh, trying to manage the the challenge that uh, we're faced with. And and again, your previous uh, uh, participant uh, he he talked about some of those challenges. So I don't want to go through that again. But uh, that was an effort uh, that was an effort to to respond to some of those uh, some of those issues. In regards to whether it's a benefit or a loss to have uh, immigrants or illegal immigrants in the system in terms of our economy and the cost and so forth, nobody really knows the answer to that. As a result, the, the commission, the Immigration Commission that I sit on with uh, many others, uh, there will be a study done uh, for Utah specifically to see if we can address that and determine what are the benefit uh, and costs to uh, Ill- illegal immigration. And it looks like the the speaker is talking about December 18th to, uh, to to meet to talk about this. Well, I talked with the speaker about that, and she she's not necessarily uh, being uh, creating a proactive discussion about it. She indicated to me that uh, she she recognized among many other topics. Uh, in their caucus meeting that uh, this will obviously come up and and I'm sure there'll be discussion about it but it's not some, she's not setting aside a date to to have a discussion on uh, illegal immigration or 116 it's just she she recognizes it'll probably be part of the uh, her, her overall discussion with mm-hmm. upcoming legislation well, I'm sure uh, we will hear about these and many other issues coming up in the legislative session interim meetings have been happening as well uh, state senator Stuart Reed has been our guest here at the end of the program thanks so much Thank you. And uh, tomorrow, we'll talk about the uh, National Day of Listening. It's been uh, set aside uh, the day after Thanksgiving while you're with your family to uh, talk with your family and record uh, memories. We'll be asking you your favorite Thanksgiving memories and traditions. We'll be talking with uh, some uh, personal historians and uh, other folklorists and uh, people who record uh, histories. And we'll hope to hear from you as well. That's coming up tomorrow on the program. Thanks for listening today to Access Utah. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan. KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSU FM HD1 91.5 Logan.